This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, really as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hi, Jim. Hi, Brian. Thanks for joining me. We're gonna join we're gonna jump into topic here in just a minute as we try to, to quickly do each time. But we first want to just ask you all uh, to go put a review on iTunes or whatever you however you listen to the podcast. It's helpful to get feedback and we're encouraged by uh, how we're being able to be helpful to you. We can adjust things around that, and it just helps spread the word of the podcast. So thank you for those. Many of you have been faithful listeners through for years of this podcast, and we're just grateful for you. <clears throat> also, if uh, one way you can be a help to us as you come to the end of the year is if you're willing to, to give an end-of-the-year donation to Practical Shepherd, you can go to the website and access all of our content there, but you can go to the donate page and leave an end-of-the-year gift. That would be helpful to us, not only to help continue to develop the podcast, but also just grow the, the ministry. A lot of expanding and enjoyable and exciting things that are happening with Practical Shepherding this next year. So we'd love your help in that way if you would be willing to do that. Jim, as this releases, we're, we're coming up, upon Christmas and one of, the, one of the things we want to talk about in light of that, we, this is a question that actually got sent in to us when, they, when you guys knew that we were about to record again, and that is this pressure that pastors feel to like hit a home run sermon during the holidays. You know, a lot, we have these series where a lot of us preach through books and things, but Christmas comes, like Advent, and all of a sudden, there's kind of this mysterious pressure a lot of pastors feel whether it's self-imposed or whether it comes from church members or whatever to have to like really bring it like hit a home run sermon for Christmas that's what we want to talk about and get into and we hope to cover several of the things I think that was behind the spirit of that question but before we dig into it Jim will you just kind of set it up biblically I mean in thinking about the the regular ministry of preaching and is there anything that points to this I don't know uh, special season that we hit with Christmas time well, that's an interesting question. So, I mean, biblically speaking, no. Uh, there is no special seasons in the scriptures that are addressed. But I think, Brian, what we're recognizing, and I, I'm trying to think how to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound heretical, but we have a sense in which all texts are not created equal. And, and that is that if you're preaching through Leviticus, it feels different than if you're preaching through John chapter 3. And that there is a pressure when you come to a John 3.16 or a Romans 3 or Romans 8 or whatever it is, some of these really like Mount Everest peak texts in the scriptures, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, whatever, whatever it might be, that people have this expectation of, oh man, this is going to be good, or oh man, this better be good, because you're doing the classics. Yeah. And uh, when you're preaching through Leviticus or I'm coming toward the end of Deuteronomy, there's a lot of surprises in that because people are not as familiar. Right. Or you read a text and people are thinking, what in the world is he going to do? By the way, this is um, why I like preaching genealogies. Yeah, okay, so you know. right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you preach a genealogy and you're able to bring something that people have never seen. You're able to bring a reveal um, to use a, a very secular uh, illustration. You know, you go see a movie uh, years ago, a teenager going to see the first Star Wars movie, and you see special effects that just wowed you, and now those things are in commercials. You know, you have uh, a, a, a commercial for milk has the kind of special effects that would have blown your socks off 30 years ago. Yeah. 
and you, you, you think to yourself, okay, how am I going to excite God's people? So what do I need to do? Well, in, in films and culture, you have to keep upping it. You got to yeah, right. keep adding things to get, give this same excitement. Yep. And we can feel this pressure as, 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 as preachers. You know, when somebody says like, wow, that's the best sermon I ever heard you preach. And all of a sudden now you're like, how do I top it? And, mm-hmm. and you're feeling that kind of a, uh, a, a pressure that I think uh, in some ways it's either self-imposed or it is culturally imposed okay because culturally by that i mean by church culture evangelical culture that has brought about the advent season or brought about the easter season and where there is an expectation that you're going to preach a series of sermons or you're going to build toward this and it's going to be an exciting time to bring you know friends or family or neighbors to come to hear this very special message on this very special day and we feel, again, a, a pressure there, and to use that expression, hit a home run on those days that you may not feel every other Sunday. So I need, so just to clarify, in case anybody's ready to call you a heretic based on what you've just said, um, so when Paul writes to Timothy and says, preach the word, mm-hmm. be ready in season and out of season, are you saying that Paul did not have Christmas in mind? Oh, when he said in season, when he out said of season. in season, out of season, yeah, is in the Christmas season and out of the. Because that's I, a I strong am, claim. That's a strong claim. I'm James. exactly <laughs> saying that. And if anybody thinks I'm a heretic, well, you're a heretic. We would like you to write us at practicalshepherding.com <laughs> and let Jim know he is a heretic in your mind, based oh. on what he has just said. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah. But but that but that's I, I joke about that because obviously Paul didn't mean that when he said in season out of season. No, but there is this in in evangelical. In American evangelicalism, we can just speak out of that. There is this just imposed pressure on a lot of what happens at the church. I mean, I I, I have I felt it for years at different times, just in what the church is supposed to look like during the holidays, you know. And right. and so it's not just preaching, but the question that came in, and I would say is where pastors feel it the most is is to to have some special service to certainly bring some special sermon that tops the one from last year, whatever it is. Right. And Brian, the thing is with this, I think we, we have to recognize a few things going in. And, and there, is a, there is a delight to reading these stories in the scriptures, these narratives in the scriptures. And they are, as they're, as they're being written or as you're discovering them as a reader, uh, you, you know, there's this excitement, there's this anticipation. You uh, of the babe that's announced and born or or of the resurrection and you're able to enter into it from the perspective of of trying to what it was like to be there and that you didn't know the whole story but again we know the whole story we we've seen this movie we've heard this joke we've known this narrative and so we're not able to have or to feel that same sense and and so we we try to maybe try to help people to imagine what it would be like that you're there and you're and and now the tomb is empty and you're expecting to find the body and the body's gone or 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 you're there and you're a shepherd and you're out in your fields by night and suddenly there's a sound around you well for a lot of people it's like i already know this yeah yeah and the thing i think we want to start out with is that we don't (laughs) We don't need to add our own. We can't make this story any better. I mean, this is what these. This is already great. Yeah. These truths are already wonderful, and and we don't need to gild the lily. I think is the expression. We don't. We don't need to add gold on gold, 
and we don't need to add our spin to make this special, even though it's familiar. And I think that there can be uh, and, and ought to be both in us as preachers, because we can feel this too sometimes, is that I'm not as excited as, about this as I once was, or I may not feel this in my soul in the way that I once did, because again, it is so familiar, yeah. and, and there's no surprise, there's no necessarily not, not a new insight that I'm going to give that's going to blow somebody away, and I never saw the incarnation that way, or I never saw the resurrection that way, or whatever the case might be. But I don't think that's not, that's not our that's not our job. Our job is not to take a uh, a story that's not exciting and to try to make it exciting. That's not what we're trying to do. Yeah. I think we're taking something that is very familiar and and really trying to enter into the joy of it is is as much uh, our job. And, and so it is. And the scriptures talk about this, and Peter talks about this the, about the profit of reminding us of things that we already know. Yeah. So I, I think let's let's start there then. We're in agreement, and that's probably the first thing we want to just put on the table for everybody listening, is that there's a pressure there, but it it's it's impo- it's it's not imposed by God. Let's put it there. It's not imposed by the Spirit Correct. of God. The Christmas story is wonderful and magnificent in its in itself it's like the gospel that we should hopefully preach regularly it's the same gospel you know though a different text might allow us to bring it out a little differently so we want to establish that first so so let's assume we're in agreement there and the big hurdle are pastors trying to then how do i squelch that unnecessary pressure i feel when the holidays hit we're right in the middle of it. they're trying to figure out what they're going to preach as they're listening to this, they're trying to figure out what they're going to preach the Sunday before Christmas or whenever they like, whatever that is. So why don't we, let's go there? How do we, how do we help pastors uh, deal with the pressure? What what kind of things do they need to be thinking about as they feel that pressure? How do they grow aware of maybe where the pressure comes for them and what's going on with them? Any anything you would say on that? Yeah, a few things, Brian. I think uh, come to mind, and and one is that you know. There's a sense in which we ought to feel a pressure every Sunday, that, that we ought not to feel a special pressure on whatever you can do, whether you're going to do a Christmas Eve message or preach on the Sunday before, as I am on December 20th this year. I, and my pressure every week is that I'm to preach the Word. I mean, I am to be ready in season and out of season, and I am to ensure that I have done a careful study of the Word and to have that sense that I am God's man bringing God's message to God's people with the help of God's Spirit on the Lord's Day. And so December 20th doesn't have a halo around it, or December 24th or December 25th doesn't have a halo around it that last Sunday or the Sunday after. Uh, All of them, if you want to put it that way, they all have a halo around them. They all matter. They're all important. And the pressure that we have is to try to preach in the sight of God in Christ. And so that means to accurately handle God's word. That means to communicate it in a way that is helpful to the saints and that you hope will uh, draw unconverted people in. So those are my goals every single Lord's Day. So it's that same goal that comes. Now, of course, we are assuming that you're in a place where you are going to preach an incarnation message around this season and 
uh, in Easter season. I'm from a Reformed tradition, and not all Reformed guys do that because they'll say these are either Catholic holidays or Hallmark holidays, and and we try to show that we're just faithful. So I'm going to preach on tithing on December, you know, 25th, and and I'm just going to buck the trend and do, you know. Mm. So we're assuming that I think there is a right social pressure to say people are coming on that Lord's Day. Uh, wanting to hear, expecting to hear, but also this, they're wanting to hear this story again. They're wanting to hear how God became a man. They're wanting to hear the wonder of the incarnation. And so they come, maybe not so much uh, of saying, Pastor, hit me a home run, as saying, please tell me this story again. Yeah. And and our I think our job there is again first of all I have the same pressure that I ought to feel every other Sunday, but also that people are are actually coming specifically on that Lord's Day, uh, with a sense of I want to hear this old story again and and so in that sense it's like somebody going to hear the Messiah or going to watch a Christmas carol or something, they know what's going to happen. There's not, there's, and it, it, the delight of it is, is in the repetition or the seeing of something that was delightful in the past and, and will be delightful again. So I have a theory. I have a, th- a couple theories on why, though, the pressure exists. So I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think the, I don't think guys can deal with the pressure until they actually can pinpoint why am I feeling mm-hmm. the pressure. I got a th- couple theories on this. Number one, I think, uh, and it goes to what you, it, it connects to what you were sharing. Christmas is a time where people come in from out of town and attend church maybe just that week. Right. And I think part of the pressure is guys feeling like they, they got to bring it that day because that's the only sermon these people are going right. to hear in our church. This is the pressure they're going to have of me and our church one time, well, one week. You know, parents, grandparents come into town and all those kinds of things. I think that's part of the pressure. Is we we say, oh, this is the only time I'm going to have a chance to uh, to to preach and to do this. Uh, and to your point, even when you brought up, you know, people are expecting this story and those kind of things. I Christmas and Easter is the time. A lot of times you get unbelievers in the door. Only mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So I think there's actually a a pressure that in a way that's good. That like right. I, I I really want to seize this opportunity for ministry, and you feel the pressure to really have a clear sermon on that. I think that's part of it. But I've got another thought on this, I've, and I think this is what happens to guys who are faithful expository preachers through books of the Bible, which I am, you are, <clears throat> many people who listen to this are. <clears throat> the regiment of preaching through a book and that next text being my next text, that's what that's what gives me my next text. There is a, I, I'll speak personally, there is a comfort in that yes. for me, in, in the regiment of that. And I find, and you know this about me, I I go off sermon top, I go off sermon series for Easter, Palm Sunday and Easter historically, and then the whole month of December. Part of that is because of the Advent uh, season. Part of that is knowing people are traveling so much, and I just don't want to continue in that same series and do right. some one-off sermons. However, um, I feel like a fish out of water at different times when I get out of that series. I almost feel like there is this added pressure of okay. I've got to produce something I typically am not having to do. I'm usually wrestling with, this is my next text. I can't avoid it. And that's why I wanted to be an expository preacher. But when I would go to those one-off sermons or whatever, and 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 they would be about you know the Christmas story or, or, or picking texts around that, I found there was a pressure 
in having to step up to that. And mm-hmm. it was and it was different preparation in some ways mm-hmm. right. than the other. And I have a theory that I think that's where a lot of the pressure is felt by guys who are expository preachers, and they don't know that that's where the pressure comes from. Uh, you want to add anything to that? No, that's that? interesting. I, I do, because you know, I feel that. I mean, my, my question is, I'm going to do that, and I have historically done this for 29 years uh, in being at the same church, and is to say, all right, what text am I going to am I going to deal with, you know, this time? And and really even sometimes how many texts are there that explicitly deal with this and then right. am I going to start recycling uh, certain texts uh, you know over the years? Are yep. there are there 30, 40, 50? I mean, in a sense you could say there's there's all kinds of different texts you could um, as somebody who did that bring. all those years, it it actually starts to you get challenged by that of what is a text I haven't preached yet? Especially if you're the one doing the two, three, four sermons in December. But I think you also have to remember that people probably don't always have that great a memory for your sermons. And I've had to, oh, come now, come yeah, on, that's actually true. I'm not sure. It's actually <laughs> now, brethren. You know, I preached on this 15 years ago. You Some remember? Of you will remember it I know because, you remember how great this sermon was, it was 15 years ago. I'm going to change around the next two points. So I don't want to throw you off because I know you all remembered those. You know, so. Um, I, you know, we don't always remember what we preached, and so the people aren't always going to remember uh, what we're going to preach. But, I, you know, I do think, Brian, we need to get back to that whatever pressure, you know, we, we ultimately feel, and some of that pressure can be a good pressure, and some of it can be a bad pressure, uh, you know, of even like, I've got to perform. You know, this is yeah. this is my big day. This is my... You know, this is the whatever it is. This is my big day to to come out, and people are looking to me and expecting things of me. I, I think that can be an un, unhelpful pressure or an unholy pressure. Um, and and let, he, in, let's go there because because I haven't really acknowledged that much yet, and that is the pressure may come from our culture. The pressure may come from our own people. The pressure may come from the people who we know are going to be visiting just that Sunday. Mm-hmm. But the reality is pastors have to be confronted with the idea of I'm feeling the pressure cuz cuz I want to I want to look good. Right? And let's just let's call that out as well. And so pastors who feel who are feeling this pressure maybe this week even as this is being released and they're preparing their sermon for Sunday that confront that. Like acknowledge maybe this is about you wanting to look really really good for whoever. And if that's the case then you need to wrestle with that. That may be the thing that creates that internal angst and pressure that we so often feel this time of year. How, how much do you think that's part of it, Jim, in your mind? Uh, Brian, I think I, I can say I, I am aware that it's at least was in part what I wanted to do because, again, there is there is a delight in the reveal. There's a delight in bringing people up into something and then almost surprising them with where a text goes or, or again, a, a reveal, uh, The you know, like a, like – you know, you're you're coming up to the end, to the crescendo, and and here it's there's no hiding it. Everybody knows exactly where you're going with it, mm-hmm. and so what you're relying on, what you and what you ought to be relying on, is again not your cleverness in in presenting it in such a way that it is surprising. It's not our job, you know. It's not my job to make it new. I can't. Again, I had to get back to this. I can't make this any better than it is. Yeah. And and my job is not to blow it. You right. know, my job is not to make what is the the thrill of the world into something dry and dull and confusing. Yeah, it's to get out of the way in a sense and let that text speak for itself. 
without feeling like, oh, they already know this. They already know this. I'm going to tell them this. Oh, oh, then, you know, an angel came to Mary and Mary was betrothed. Mary was a virgin and Joseph did this. And then they went there, you know, and, and you, and you can think to yourself, well, they all already know this. And, and it's okay because that happens to be the reality of a lot of what we are saying and teaching and preaching, particularly if you're with a congregation over the long haul and you have a mature congregation, is that I am going to be reminding God's people of certain truths. And again, the, the pressure is not that I have to perform as much as it is that I have a pressure to be faithful. And that I'm, if I'm faithful, I believe God will bless that to the heart's of hungry sheep, and that this is the tool that God uses to draw unconverted people to Himself. So, so that's where our confidence needs to be. So I agree, and I agree with you. I think maybe the maybe the last thing I want to cover, though, is kind of the spirit. Even it seemed in the question we received through social media, and that is, you know, how, what can I do to make sure my sermons, as I'm preaching about the same story, mm. and again, you said you can't create a greater excitement around it, but I do think it's a helpful question to ask, to push push preachers to think about, and that is, you know, is there a different, is there a, is, is it a, a different angle to look at the diamond and see it mm-hmm. a little differently? Is there, sure. Is there a different way I can adjust? I, I preached this text five years ago. I remember that. Nobody else does. I remember that. <laughs> but right. but even just for the for the sake of freshness of the preacher... Is there a good, like a faithful, but a a little bit of a slant, a different way I can I can look at this? I can approach this. There's not as we know. Well, there's not one exactly. way to preach one sermon, exactly. one text. We want to get the point of the passage, but there's tons of ways to preach a text. Right. So I would say, in response to the question, like push yourself to think about: Is there a different way I can maybe approach this text? Mm-hmm. A different way to break it up? A different way to see it? And yet, still make sure you're faithful to the original purpose of the passage. I, I think that's the question that you really have to wrestle with if you're looking for a way to take a text that you've maybe preached several times before. You want to preach it again for Christmas, but you want to you want to be able to make sure you do it justice. Well, look at it through a different lens. I think that's important too, Jim. I do. I agree, and I think a lot of that is our own sense of joy in it. And right. that, and so, and, and this is heart work. This is the heart preparation. Yeah, that's right. That, Lord, am I? Has this? Have I lost the wonder of this? Uh, has this ceased to bring me joy uh, and excitement? And you know, I think about I mean, what's come to my mind several times as we've been talking about is you know what what my kids, particularly when they were younger. Was their ability to like you know read the same story? Give give me this you know to hand you the book, whatever it is that you have read a hundred times, and but it is an, it is an enjoyment for them every time. Or mm-hmm. I think about when my one of my daughters was little, and this was way back when, and VHS tapes and all of that. Mm-hmm. But to want to watch the same episode or listen to the same song over and 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 over again, and it might drive you mad. But there is an excitement. Again, nothing changes. The words right. don't change. The pictures don't change. Right. The song doesn't change. Um, and, and, and But there is a joy to be found in it, in it as it is. And I think so we need, if we're not excited, we're not going to be able to make God's people excited. If, if it doesn't bring us joy, then I don't think we're going to be able to, we don't want to, we're not actors. So we're not trying to, convey a joy that we don't have or to produce a joy in them that we don't have 
but to hope hopefully have something that is contagious. And there's a reason why some of the that these stories are so enduring in these texts, and not just you know a John three sixteen or an Ephesians two eight and nine. There's a reason why for two thousand years people have found hope in Romans eight twenty eight. And so you're coming, you're preaching through Romans, and it's Romans eight twenty eight. Now like, what am I going to say? Well, again, there's a reason why that's been a rock that that. 2,000 years of church history people have run to, mm. and there's a reason why these days are, are high and holy days, in a sense, in the minds of, of many Protestants, not just, this isn't just a Catholic thing, and that's because there's such a beauty in it and of itself, mm. and so I think what we want to, maybe I want to conclude with this, and just to say, trust the text and, and trust the narrative. Uh, the home run's already been hit. Jesus hit the home run. You just have to tell about yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. It's not on you to do it. Nope. I mean, he he already rose from the dead. There's not you you can't you can't add it. Your your job is just to tell it, mm-hmm. and to tell it with simplicity and with your own joy. And if you find joy in it, and then I think your people are going to find joy in it, and unbelievers are going to find joy in hearing your excitement as you tell an old story. So that's a great word, and I, I just want to echo it as my, my final word as we wrap this up, and that is uh, the impact of the sermon is not going to be in the fresh way you prepare it. It'll, be, it'll come from the excitement and the joy you have from the truth of that text. So if you want to preach an Advent sermon that is fresh and effective, and it's even though it's maybe a text you've preached before— let that truth simmer in your soul and uh, let the joy of that truth in you internalize that mm. sermon so when you preach it, the Spirit uses it uniquely because of your own internalizing of that truth that deeply affects you and it totally affects how you preach that sermon, how you deliver that sermon. So uh, we would both emphasize to you, internalize the truth you're preaching that's what's going to bring a new and fresh way every time you preach, even if it's the same text. So, Jim, can you uh, can you take a minute and pray for pastors who are preparing, maybe even this week, mm-hmm. for that Christmas sermon everybody's expecting them to bring uh, and that, that they have a proper perspective on it? We mm-hmm. take a minute and pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this time of year and the uh, many ways in which we are pointed to the person and work of the Lord Jesus and to the wonder of God incarnate. And Father, we do pray that you would help every uh, brother here uh, who's listening to this, who uh, is uh, scheduled to preach in the days ahead, and to hold forth uh, this this old, old story of Jesus and his love. Uh, Father, that you would help them to trust in the power of your word uh, to forsake in, a, in, in every way that is right, any trust or reliance on their own cleverness, uh, and to recognize that we can't do it any better. We can't say it any better than what you have said. And But Father, help us to be faithful. Help us to find joy in truths that we have studied and known uh, and written about and talked about and sung about so many times. Uh, to behold the wonder yet again. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.